Welcome to Women Winning Divorce. I am your host, Heather Quick. I am an attorney, entrepreneur, author, and founder of Florida Women's Law Group, the only divorce firm for women by women. I love thinking big, thinking outside the box, creating creative solutions for women and empowering women to win in all aspects of their life. Our approach at Florida Women's Law Group is to provide women with a strategy to not only achieve their objectives, but win at life. I believe that what may show up as adversity is simply an opportunity to change and improve your life. In each episode, I sit down with innovative professionals and leaders who are focused on how you can be your best self before, during, and after divorce. In these conversations, we are looking at how women can win at life. I have the unique opportunity to meet women when they are at a transition period of life, but that is only the beginning to becoming your best self and winning at life on your terms. With our guests, we enjoy the opportunity to explore ways all women can win and enhance their life, no matter where they are in their journey, because divorce is just a point in life, not the end and not what defines you, rather a catalyst for your growth. Welcome to this week's episode of Women Winning Divorce. I'm Heather Quick, owner and attorney at Florida Women's Law Group. Today, I'm being joined by Elizabeth Krajewski. Elizabeth is the legal administrator and operations director for me here at Florida Women's Law Group. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, Heather. So excited to be on the show today. Well, we are so excited to have you, and I think our listeners are in for a real treat because they're going to get a lot of the inside scoop on, you know, really what they can expect um, when they're going through the divorce process from, you know, the aspect and perspective of how they're dealing and interacting with the law office, and I think it's going to help them so much. So, but first, Elizabeth, please tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are professionally. Sure. I'm very excited to be on this side of things and to share all of the things that I know with our clients today and future clients, hopefully as well. My background is a little bit interesting. So my bachelor's degree is actually in economics and I have both a law degree and a master's in public policy. And my journey was really about going into corporate law and practicing and making a bunch of money so that I could run for public office and be a politician someday. And then I got into law school and fell in love with public policy instead. So I actually spent the first five years of my career in data and research and advocacy. I've posted, uh, had a couple of public policies that actually came about. I've drafted some model legislation. And then after the 2020 election cycle, I wanted to take a break from being in public policy and found the opportunity at Florida Women's Law Group and really had the opportunity to bring together all of my passions for solving problems, collecting and analyzing data, and really evaluating processes and operations to make things work better and more efficiently. And the the team at the office likes to say that my superpower is solving problems before they become problems. And to me, that's operations management. Absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit more because, um, you know, I know this, but for our listeners, um, you know, and probably some of our team members, why you wanted to go into family law. Sure. This goes back to my passion for policy and advocacy and really education. So my whole goal and passion in public policy is to empower other people to solve their own problems. And 
I found whenever you could really engage people in the process of making policy and making an impact, that impact was so much greater because they were then able to empower everybody else, right? And so by working in family law, that means I get to impact people directly in a really, really difficult time and impact their future, their family, and what their next chapter looks like. And I get to do that by empowering our team first and really kind of creating the ripple effect that then impacts our clients. Well, tell us a little bit about um, what your day looks like at Florida Women's Law Group. Well, I wish I had just one type of day, but I think the beauty of my position is that every single day looks different. A lot of my day is solving problems for our team members so that they can continue to deliver really incredible legal services. But on the other side, behind the scenes, my job is evaluating data and processes, figuring out if our procedures are really designed to deliver those services, whether we're delivering our resources and our experience effectively to our clients and figuring out where we can make all of that better and easier and more user-friendly, especially for our clients. We at Florida Women's Law Group really focus on education. So we have continuing education for our staff on a regular basis, whether laws are changing or policies internally are changing. We're constantly communicating that to our staff and to our clients as well so that they can see the benefit of what they're investing in with our firm. And most of the time, if we are, are having a conversation, if you're a client and you're talking to me, that means one of two things. I am clarifying the way that we work at the firm. So a lot of the things that I answer on a regular basis are, why is this happening to me? Why does my bill look this way? So really explaining those processes and procedures and putting people at ease that, yes, this is actually normal. Everybody goes through this. I promise it's going to be okay. Uh, or I am the administrative backup. So you may see me at the front desk offering you a beverage, answering the, cell the, the phone at the front desk, or, or closing your consultation and talking to you about what it really means and looks like to work with our firm and engage us in that service. Yes, and that is just for our listeners, probably just a, a very high level overview and tip of the iceberg because Elizabeth is really there as much for our staff as she is for our clients. So kind of when anything happens, it comes up. If it if she needs to be taken care of, she is going to do it. And a lot of that, which I appreciate you talking about the education, because that is so important for anyone going through a divorce. Most particularly, I think a lot of our clients, this is their first interaction with a law firm. So there's a lot of, you know, what to do, what's going to happen next. And, and sometimes those questions end up in front of you for whatever reason. And so it's, I think that's so important that you mentioned that because it is a big part of what you do. Um, and you mentioned you're as much client facing as you are behind the scenes. And, you know, what are some of the skills you use from your background that aid um, in your client facing role? Yes. Most people, including our team, probably don't know this. Heather, I don't know if you knew this before our conversation today, but I actually have a very strong customer service background. I grew up working at a hair salon with my mom as the receptionist, answering the phone, shampooing hair, keeping the salon stocked properly. I then worked in retail and I was even an RA and ran the building in, in college. 
And I was also a teacher. So that education component is really, really important to me. When I support our staff, when I support our clients, it's very much from that empowerment angle that I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm not going to do it for you because if I show you how to do it, then I know that you can do it for yourself every single day after that. And not only that, but you're going to learn the process so well but you're gonna be able to tell me how to make it even better. And then we get to share that back with our team and with our clients. And I think what all of these experiences really culminated in for me was a service mentality. I really value and appreciate the opportunity to make things better for other people. And I think that that's what really led me to law school and thinking that I wanted to be a politician someday was because I wanted to really make systems and things better for everybody. Um, no, that is great. I did not know about the hair salon, but um, <laughs> it's it totally makes sense because when you have experience in dealing just with human beings frequently, you you get you either become really good at it or or you don't like it and you don't like to interact mm -hmm. with people. But that's what's so important because you know that's what we do. I think that gets lost on a lot of. I'm not even going to say younger generation, just people, right? They want to use technology mm -hmm. instead of the human interaction and particularly in a legal situation and with a divorce, as we know, um, there's a lot of emotions going on and people mm -hmm. need human connection and explanation sometimes more than once. And I, I think that's really important that, you know, you stress that because that's what clients should be able to expect from their law office, that they're going to get human human interaction is somebody who's going to explain things when what's written down doesn't always make that much sense um, for them. But also, because in addition to your great people skills, um, you know, there was a point in your career that you really knew you were going to specialize in operations management, because I remember that was a big part of our conversation with you coming and, and how important that was to me and the data and the analyzing and, you know, getting things working. And, and you were really excited about that. And, um, but that was a big shift for you. So tell us a little bit about that. It was, and that was a big part of our initial conversation, Heather, and you kind of asked me very candidly how I was going to bridge that gap from policy to really running the team and, and evaluating internal policies so well. And I think coming to the firm helped really solidify that for me. The things that I always found the most exciting about my former roles was getting things organized, creating processes, solving problems. Someone actually recommended that I consider a role in operations and I didn't think that I ever would. And having been at it for nearly three years, I have finally realized and I think accepted that this is how my brain works. I think finding the efficiencies in the processes so that we can create more time for that one-to-one -one human interaction you talked about, Heather, that's what I look to do every single day. Well, this is a good place for a, um, a short break. Um, and I so appreciate you sharing some of your background with us, Elizabeth. We didn't get everything, but we're, the show's not over. But we're going to take a quick break. And listeners, we would just love it if you would use this time to check out floridawomenslawgroup.com or at For Women Law on social media. We have podcast episodes and other resources available for you there. We will be right back with Elizabeth Krajewski to talk about how to have the best client experience during your divorce. We'll be right back. 
Well, welcome back, listeners. And today, if you missed the very beginning of the show, we are joined by Elizabeth Krajewski to talk about your experience as a client and what to expect in the divorce process with a law firm. Obviously, we're speaking about our law firm, but these are what we think are best practices and and things that we hope you would experience um, when you're going through this. And, you know, we got so into the conversation before we took a quick break that I didn't get to ask you a question that I did really want to know. And if there is a specific woman who has impacted your career path and or your passion. Absolutely. Well, in addition to you, of course, Heather, who challenges me to think deeper and harder every single day, I, of course, have to talk about my mom. So she was both a single parent by nature and also a single parent by the military for a large part of my childhood. She worked multiple jobs. She really did a lot to make sure that not only my sister and I had everything that we wanted, but also we participated in all of the activities and did all of the things. And she really instilled in me two things, education and service. You get the best education you possibly can because nobody can ever take it away from you. And you can use it to empower and to serve and help others. And that's my goal. That's why education and really serving others is so important to me. Well, that is awesome. I did not want to miss out on that question. It's always important to get a plug in there for moms um, because, you know, they do all the hard work all the time, as we know. But um, now um, I do want to talk about exactly what your role has to do with the way our clients go through the divorce process. And, you know, what are some of the basic things you'd say are imperative for a client to have a good experience? Absolutely. The first one is patience. And I think I've heard almost every guest on the show talk about this, but I think the biggest disconnect and expectation that our clients have is just how long the process really takes and how complex it really is. We've all been spoiled by the those crime TV shows that make everything law related look so easy. And it really does take a lot of time. Even if you are the most organized, the most responsive client, there are still going to be timelines at some point in the matter that are just out of our control. We have to hand things over to the other party at some point. And so having that patience from the outset and knowing that it's going to take some time and expecting that time, filling that time is really, really important to a successful experience and then being organized. So the more you can organize your documents, your questions, being prepared for every meeting you have with your legal team, the less time and therefore money you're going to take to get through your matter. And really the the easier it's gonna be for us to analyze that information, support you and fill in the gaps where we really need to. Um, And so our listeners understand, can you quickly give us a basic overview of you know, of what the steps in the process are, because as you know, many of our listeners have not been through a divorce, but, and that's why they're reaching out and listening just to get a basic understanding, which is what we do and give them that, that background and and a little bit of more of a foundation. So if you could highlight some of that, obviously, like I said, this is the way we do things, but it is the process and is so important to understand. At Florida Women's Law Group, you're always going to start off with an intake call, and you're going to talk to one of our intake specialists to get some basic information just about what's going on with you and figure out, is it something that we can help with? 
Then you're going to have a, a consultation, which is going to be your first formal appointment with an attorney. Again, we're learning more about you, your situation, so that we can determine how best to help you and if we're the right people to do that. And then once you actually hire the firm, you're going to have your initial client strategy session. And from there, we really get into filing the matter, developing responses, collecting your, your evidence, your discovery, getting to mediation, and then maybe settling, maybe going to trial, just really depending on what happens for you. Yes. And all of that yeah, takes what, 30 days. Is that right, Elizabeth? <laughs> <laughs> maybe in TV court land, but yes. realistically, I think our attorneys are currently quoting about a year to, to mm -hmm. get through all of those parts of the process. And that is if you are the most organized and responsive client and the other party behaves as well. Yeah, there's so many, which I know, and as you know, because you answer these questions for our clients as well and potential clients, that it can be frustrating because we want to, well, you and I do, because you and I like to control things, but I have a feeling that it's not, you know, everybody wants to control parts of their life. And when you've got a stressful situation and you feel you've lost some control, it can create anxiety and and the fact is, there are so many parts of this process that aren't within the client's control. And we are able, I would say, from the attorney's perspective, and you can, you know, let me know what you think, Elizabeth. I would say, you know, we we aren't as much of in control as we're like a director, right? Mm -hmm. We're or you know, we're directing the process, but other things come into it that then maybe sometimes we have to try to get us back on course. And those other things are the court's calendar, the judges, things that happen. I mean, sometimes judges like are sick, you know, believe it or not. Right. And then the hearing you waited three months for, you got to get wait another three months for, and that really stinks. That's not in our control, right? That's just like a, or like today, what was today? Um, well, whenever, you know, when we are recording this, there's a storm. Okay, so now the courthouse is closed. Okay, you waited six months for this. And it. so things do happen and it's frustrating, I know, for our clients, but I would say we are more the directors and we have to anticipate some things and some things are just unexpected that create delays that cause frustration for our clients. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Heather. I think it's directing not just the process, but also the strategy and being flexible with that strategy within the process and the timeline and being willing to pivot when things don't go according to plan and really trusting that your attorney knows what you want, that they have your best interest in hand and that they're advising you to slow down or to be patient when it's really in your best interest to do so. Absolutely. And, you know, so, um, Elizabeth, are there some concepts that you find yourself explaining more often or repeatedly with, with our clients? Absolutely. This concept of your attorney really being the director of your legal strategy is, is something to make really, really clear, right? We don't, want your attorney to be your therapist because an attorney is a very expensive therapist and they're not specialized in therapy. So stick to what they're specifically asking you for when it comes to context, provide really what they're asking for, because while we care and we value 
all of the other things that you've experienced, they're not always the most important things that your attorneys need to hear. And your attorneys are going to tell you, go to a therapist, go to a divorce coach, because those are the best resources for that specific service. So I think separating out the legal strategy from kind of that emotional support is really important. Um, there's also times when your attorney is not going to be available to you. They are in court. They're supporting other clients, right? You're going to want that same care and attention when it's your turn. And so really respecting your attorney's time, knowing that when we tell you we're going to respond in 24 to 48 hours, that means if there's nothing else on the calendar, right? And if we're not in court all day, we are going to tell you to email your entire legal team. You have a paralegal, you have a legal assistant, include those people on communication because they may be able to get you a response much sooner than your attorney can if they're in court. So using those resources, knowing who they are, trusting them as part of your legal team. And then the biggest thing is, unfortunately, not everything that we feel is an emergency is really an emergency when it comes to the courts. And, and I think that that's a really hard thing for people to understand and appreciate, particularly when they're new to the legal process and they really don't understand um, the, the timing, but also what is really expected to, to prove that they have a case. Yeah, I think that is, those are great, um, you know, oftenly asked, experiences, not really questions, just experiences that many clients have. And, you know, we, we do reiterate that so often that, uh, is part of the reason we want our clients to be proactive and, and, mm -hmm. and plan ahead when they know they're ready so that something doesn't happen and they feel it is an emergency. And I, I would agree, right. Cause our definition it's going to be different than the courts. And, and that could be so frustrating to our clients and to us as, as a team, as their legal team, knowing that the courts aren't going to see it that way. So we're going to work really hard to help get you a resolution sooner rather than later. Now, I think this is really kind of tails, you know, attaches, follows that uh, statement so well. What do you find is the biggest misunderstanding or misconception that clients may have when it comes to divorce? Ah, this is one of our favorites around our firm. And that is really kind of, I think these two things go hand in hand. So first is getting an attorney doesn't mean that the relationship and the divorce has to be adversarial, right? Information and knowledge is power. Knowing your rights, knowing the process, having more information is always helpful. And just going to an attorney to get that information and that guidance is just better for you and better for everybody that's involved in that matter in that situation. And counter to that or alongside with that is a lot of women come to us thinking and on the belief that this is going to be uncontested. We're going to agree. Everything's going to go smoothly. We already know exactly what we want. It's going to be really quick. We just need an attorney to write it up for us. Like, I think we hear that probably out of one third of everyone who calls us. And I think the reality is when we see things in black and white and we really reduce this emotional experience, our relationship, what could be decades, children that we've raised, properties that we've built together, that entire emotional experience then gets reduced down into maybe a 20 page document if, if you've got a lot. And so 
that I think seeing that and having that reality is really, really difficult for our clients to overcome. And it's scary for the opposing party too. And that's when that hesitation and that disagreement, I think, tends to enter the equation is, hold on, wait, am I really sure? Is the, Are these really the terms that I want to subject myself to? And then as we talked about the process, you know, your attorney really directs one third of that process. The court is going to direct a third. The opposing party is going to direct a third. And sometimes us moving things quickly and pushing the other party to move forward is going to cost you funds and is going to cost time in court. And I think balancing those those concerns is a little bit of a challenge sometimes for clients. Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes it, and that's where it's good to have good communication with your attorney and, you know, prior to those meetings with your attorney, getting in the right mindset so you can really hear mm-hmm. what they're saying, right? And we listen, but do we really hear what is being said? And that's something that we practice as, as your attorney is we are really listening. We're really hearing you, but are you hearing us, right? In response to you, because I, I'm guilty of this. I, I, you know, sometimes don't hear what I don't want to hear. And um, I, I think that can be common. I, I recognize that, but it's a good thing just to bring up for anybody going through this process that, that emotions can cloud and interfere with your ability to rationally listen and, and understand a process. And that's normal when you're going through a divorce. Now, what would you say to a client who feels like their attorney, you know, isn't responsive or isn't moving their case along? And this is, you know, whether this is at our firm or in general, um, I think we, we hear that from clients often or potential clients. They're calling us saying, hey, I have an attorney, but they're not doing anything. Sometimes they're I- not, but sometimes they are. <laughs> at, at, at other firms, that is almost always the case that they're really not doing anything. Uh, at our firm, it really tends to mean we don't have any updates, right? Now, of course, if you've actively reached out to us and you've got a specific question, again, that attorney calendar and our control and ability to move the process forward may be limited and constrained. But typically, we don't want to spend your money to reach out to you if we don't have anything to tell you. If we don't have any updates, if we haven't heard back from the opposing party or the court, we may not have an update. We may also just be drafting. We may be working on strategy. We may be waiting for a report from an expert. So there may be things happening in the background or things that we're waiting for that we just aren't sharing with you yet because it's not ready. And as soon as it is, we will. And so that's where that that patience and trust in the process comes in uh, into a play a little bit, knowing when we do have an update, we will share that with you. And also where we encourage our clients to, if things aren't really active in your case, right? There's not emails flying back and forth between you and the opposing party every day. If it's not highly active, batching your emails to your legal team, right? Collect. I I like to tell clients, have a draft email to your your legal team that you have every week. And as you come up with questions or as you're reviewing your documents, add to that email. And when you get to the end of the week or you get to your designated day, send that off. And that way you're giving your legal team time, but you're also kind of giving yourself that exercise and patience to wait and give them time. And I would almost guarantee you that by the time you're ready to send that email, you'll have heard back from your legal team already. 
Yes. And I think, you know, it's, um, I think that is such great advice because it's not a situation where you really are going to hear from your attorney every day and it's going to go in waves in the beginning there. It'll maybe be once a week or so from the legal team. And then, and then it might be every two weeks. And then as things get close to hearing, there may be a lot more activity, right? So again, it's, it's you kind of listening and trusting the process. That's, and that's not a really hard thing to do. I think Elizabeth, I think, you know, and that's why we have to say it a lot. It's right. If you, and it's, that's why choosing the right attorney for you is so important so that you do trust that your team has got it under control, even when you feel out of control because you don't get to control the process. Absolutely. And if you need a reminder, then that's when you call the firm and you ask to speak to me and I am happy to remind you. that <laughs> uh, You've set yourself up for a few more, a few more calls, Elizabeth, but <laughs> I, I know that the clients appreciate that because sometimes we just need to know, Hey, they, they are member of the process. Try to try to take a deep breath and trust that we've got it covered. Now, what are some of the most common issues um, that our clients are facing or that they come to you for support on most often? Sure. We've talked about this a lot already, but time frame. And the biggest question that I get is, is this normal? Is it normal for this to happen in this amount of time? Other people that I have heard from have had it happen in this amount of time. And that's when I remind everyone your matter is unique. Your timeline is going to be unique within the context of the process. And the other big thing is be ready to compromise. Know what the most important things are to you and where your non-negotiables are, where you are willing to be flexible because having rigid, hard negotiating lines makes your attorney's job a lot more difficult because you're really boxing them in and you're taking away their ability to be creative within the process and within their expertise. So giving them guidelines versus form guide posts, uh, I think is really important. And right from the beginning, tell your attorney how you want to be communicated with. If you have a preference for email, phone, text message, Zoom, whatever that looks like for you, and how often you want communication from them. If you are a person who likes a lot of control, you want a lot of updates, even if there's nothing really happening, tell your attorney, I want an email from you every week. Even if there's nothing going on, I want that assurance that I know nothing is going on. If that's what's going to give you peace of mind in this process, that's always something that we're willing to do and help you. But we don't know to do that if you don't tell us. Yes. And um, that's great advice, Elizabeth, that I think will be the, you know, the headline. Tell us how, how often you want the communication and, but be honest, right. And, and, mm -hmm. but be willing to understand that we really do have your best interest because if you say, I really would like to talk to you every day, that's not practical and that is not efficient and it is not going to help you in the long run. Um, but it's okay to tell us that. But then if you can listen to, let's come up with a compromise on what will work. And, you know, I've had clients in the past because I share this for others because so that the listeners can hear that we do understand that they didn't like that seeing the email come in 
from the attorney or paralegal just caused them so much stress that they they just couldn't even open it. Um, and, and that is a normal, that's, that's a reaction I've seen, you know, during this process that many women have had. Um, and so for some clients, like we know, okay, I sent you an email. Now you got to call. I'm going to call you and tell you, I sent you an email. I'm going to stay on the phone. And this is usually the paralegal, not the attorney. Paralegal is to sit there and say, okay, you need to open this. It's not, it's not terrible news. Like it, it's just something you need to know or it, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to explain to you, but you can open it and know that, you know, it's not horrible news. Cause I think that's what creates this fear of this unknown and, oh no, they've sent me an email, but, um, letting, uh, your attorney know the mode of communication and the frequency, I think is great advice because, and if, and that should be very early on, don't you think Elizabeth? Absolutely. During your initial client strategy session with your attorney, they're going to iron out a case plan with you that reflects your goals and your preferences and your collective to-do lists. And one of the things that you can absolutely include in that case plan is your preference on frequency of communication. And if it changes because you decide that you are tired of hearing from us every day, you let us know that at any point and we can absolutely change those methods and frequency. Absolutely. Now, another question we often get is about billing. And um, I think that that would be a great topic if you could explain a little bit how how we do things in our office and, and what are you really paying for? Absolutely. This is a great question and one that I probably answer the most from our clients. The retainer agreement that you're going to sign with our firm really outlines all of the terms as it relates to our billing. So the first thing that I'm going to do when we have a conversation about billing is talk you through that retainer agreement. Our client liaison is also going to talk about the retainer and some of those terms with you. So it should be really familiar. And the biggest thing in that retainer agreement is going to be your initial retainer amount. That is the amount that our firm requires in order to get started. We can collect some payments. We do that all at once. We need that full amount before we can get started. There's also going to be a minimum that we ask all of our clients to keep in their trust account at all times because sometimes hearings run over. Sometimes true emergencies do happen. There's unanticipated work. We want to make sure that we've got that buffer amount. Each of our team members is going to have a different hourly rate that they bill you for. We bill based on the amount of time that we work on your case in six minute increments. So your paralegal is gonna have one hourly rate, your attorney is gonna have a higher hourly rate, and then there's also gonna be a legal assistant that's assigned to your matter to do most of the clerical work. So each, each client gets two invoices per month. And those invoices have really detailed entries talking everything about what your legal team has done for a specific task. You'll see the amount of time that they spent on that task and the associated rate and cost for that task. So the second thing that I will ask you to do if you have a question about billing is to give me a specific invoice that you're looking at so that we can look at that together. It is very important that our clients look at those invoices every two weeks, not just so that you know exactly what's going on in your matter as it's happening, but there's also a 10-day request window so that if you feel like any billing looks questionable or if you have any concerns about billing, there is a 10-day window for you to send an email to us to ask us to take a look at that. 
And I'm actually the team member that is the one that takes a look at those billing entries and responds to you accordingly. Um, that is so helpful. And you know what also, Elizabeth, because um, you mentioned this, reread your bill. When you want to know what your attorney's been doing, what your team's been doing, that that's how you should have a very, very good idea. We have very detailed, descriptive bills so that you are fully aware of what is happening. And it does, it kind of, it does tell the story of your case. So it's important to review them and see that. And then, you know, Hey, we are on track and maybe we're further along than I realized by looking at that. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And it also brings clarity to who is working on your matter as well. It will allow you to see your attorney told your paralegal to do something and then they sent that to the legal assistant to be filed. So you can really see exactly which team member is working on your matter and how we're generating some cost savings there. Absolutely. Well, we are um, finished with this segment, but I'm so excited to go deeper into the next segment. But first, let's going to take a quick break so our listeners can visit their favorite social site to follow at 4 Women Law. We have more with Elizabeth Krajewski next. Welcome back from our break, listeners. We are almost out of time with Elizabeth Krajewski and our conversation about client experience. Now, Elizabeth, since we have covered the basics of what the process looks like and reflected on the timeline. I want to go deeper and talk about some extreme situation and situations and how this really impacts women. What are some situations where the process gets held up or clients see the longest time between steps? Absolutely. The biggest delay is disagreement. So we talked about this a little earlier in the episode, the uncontested divorce and how it quickly becomes contested once we start to actually negotiate. And the more fighting there is, the longer the process is just going to take because we have to, we have to agree, right? We have to put it in into writing. And I think the biggest conversation that our legal team has with our clients is what are you fighting over, right? Do you really want this thing that you need? Is there somewhere else that we can potentially negotiate in order to achieve your goals? Uh, For example, we see a lot of fighting over homes. Do you really want the home? Can you financially afford to keep the home once you're just one income? Are your kids really gonna come back to that home every summer between college once they're graduated, once they're gone, it's a huge asset. And it's the biggest thing that our clients kind of get fixated on and really causes things to delay. And so really each thing that you tell your attorney is important to you for purposes of negotiation, really work through that process of of why. How does that really further your next chapter? Is it something you really want to commit to in that next chapter and take with you? Um, The other big thing that we see a lot of delays around is relocating during your matter. So if you can come to us before you decide to relocate, that will help make the process a lot smoother for you in the long run. Uh, We also unfortunately have spouses that hide assets or require us to bring in experts and that's going to prolong the process. But again, that's important evidence that your legal team needs to really reach your goals. So it's worth kind of building in that time frame, that delay in order to get that evidence that you need to ultimately meet your goals. And 
unfortunately, you you all are no strangers to our conversations about narcissists. And whenever there is a narcissist involved, we tend to see some delays, unfortunately, related to that personality of, of wanting to kind of inflict some of that emotional extra pain. And, and unfortunately, that comes out in, in delays in that timeline. It does. And, you know, um, that is one of the most frustrating things for our clients because they take it so personally. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. It just is, but it, it does cause clients a lot of stress and rightfully so it's, but it is the person that you have been married to. So it's usually should not be that surprising that this is the way they're going to behave. But I know it still be difficult for our clients, but there are also situations um, that you need to talk to your attorney about immediately because things might be alarming there might be real danger or an intervention that could be necessary or maybe possible. What are some of those things, Elizabeth, that you have seen and that clients should be aware of? Absolutely. Safety is the most important thing. So any type of domestic violence, if you ever have that thought cross your mind, even if it's briefly of, I don't feel safe, my kids aren't safe, tell your attorney because your gut is telling you you're not safe and you need to be safe before we can do anything else. The other big thing that we typically see is changes in behavior or incidences with your kids. Grades slipping, they're not sleeping well. Maybe they're having some behavioral regressions and they're starting to act out or more seriously, there are some marks or some abuse signs when they're coming back from time sharing exchanges. So there are some really serious things to look out for. And again, trust your gut, especially if you're a mom, that mom gut tells you everything that you need to know most of the time. Um, And and your attorney will be able to tell you, yeah, that's serious. That's something that we need to take really serious and we need to intervene. They will also be able to talk you off that ledge of, I know that that seems like an emergency let's figure out what we can do because maybe it's not, but there are some other ways that we can cope or we can make sure that the process moves forward in a different direction in order to take those non-emergent concerns seriously. That is wonderful advice. And one of two or three things you find yourself saying to all of our clients and or colleagues often. Trust your attorney trust your attorney. They went to law school. You hired them because of their expertise and for what they know and for how they're able to help you get through this process. So please trust your attorney and know that they aren't going to ask you for anything that they don't really feel like they need or to do things that are frivolous. On the same note, be responsive. We've talked a lot about timeline and delays. So the quicker you respond and the quicker you provide information, the quicker we can do our job and work through that process and avoid unnecessary delays. And to kind of round out the trust conversation, don't lie to your attorney. 
we're probably going to find out about that thing you don't want us to know eventually. And it's best if you're really honest so that we can be prepared, right? I know those gotcha moments on court TV are very exciting, but very rarely is that a true depiction of how the, the court works. We've got attorney-client privilege. We've got confidentiality procedures in place. Take advantage of those and be honest with us so that we can be prepared as possible. Now, We've talked about a lot of different situations and things that you often talk to our clients about. And what is the one or two things or one piece of advice you find clients consistently follow? Leaning on their legal team, their support team. That's one of the things we really hype our clients up about is we are here for you. We've got a ton of resources that we can share for you, but Having a close network that you can just lean on that's going to take you out, that's going to get you out of the house, maybe do things that make you feel a little bit better, that's really, really important through this process, particularly for those hard days, because you're going to have at least one hard day, and having that support network is really helpful. Along with that, minimizing social media. So we talk a lot about this at the initial consultation. Keep your divorce off of social media. Don't talk about what's happening. Don't bash your spouse. We say puppies and rainbows and in inspirational quotes only. And our clients are really good about that because that's really just protection for you and your privacy and your confidentiality. And we hate to see, well, your client posted this on social media about my client. What are we going to do about that? Right. That never feels good to hear about our clients. So please uh, continue to follow these. Our, our clients are really good about it. And it's just really good general advice too. It is. Those are great, great tips. And we do emphasize that a lot, all for the best interest of our client to get the best outcome possible. How is working with men and women different? And Elizabeth, have you altered your approach, if at all, when working with women? Because we are an all- women firm and represent only women? It is a different dynamic. And I think that there are a couple of different things at play. As women, we're much more likely to listen really hard and really actively than men. So know that when you tell something to your legal team, we have really heard you and it has resonated. And many of us have experienced the same things that you have. So we know, we really, we do hear you and, and we're listening, not just to listen, but to really understand and, and be here for you. And while we do listen really deeply, I think women are less likely to speak up and ask for things. So one of the things that I try to be very intentional about with our staff and with our clients is to really just ask questions and listen and use wait time because I know that you all have things to say. And I know a lot of the things that you have to say can be uncomfortable, but you're going to feel so much better after you've said them and after you've empowered yourself to get help. That is fascinating. And I agree with you on your perspective between about the differences, but we have almost out of time. And before we leave, though, I have to ask you what you have learned from working with women and families throughout your career. Women are so powerful, and we really will do anything to provide and protect for our families, even if that means putting ourselves last. And I think if I could leave you all with anything, it would be 
use your power and prioritize yourself because ladies, when you're the best version of yourself, you're the best version for your family, for your friends, for your job, for everybody around you to really thrive. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Um, We've reached the end of our show today and we are thankful to Elizabeth Krajewski for joining us today to go over some client experience tips. And listeners, if you or someone you know is going through divorce or is thinking about a divorce, please reach out to us at floridawomenslawgroup.com or join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. Links will be in the episode description. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review so that others can find our show. And please join us next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Women Winning Divorce. My goal is to elevate your life and the way you are thinking so that you are best equipped to win at life. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so you automatically get my new shows every week. And I would love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social and join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. We welcome your comments and suggestions. We want to bring you content that helps move your life forward. Women Winning Divorce is the place for an elevated conversation on how women can thrive during times of adversity in order to live their best life. So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data and massive compute power. But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need. Search HPE GreenLake.